This is Breaking the Rules, a show for mental health professionals designed to help you build confidence in treating obsessive compulsive disorder. I'm Dr. Celine Galgich, and I'm a clinical psychologist who works extensively with OCD. And I'm Dr. Victoria Miller, but you can call me Tori. And I'm a clinical psychologist who works with young people, including those with OCD. Through our shared professional experience, we've found that effective treatment of OCD requires commitment, creativity, and the recognition that things can sometimes get a little messy. They sure can. We want to empower clinicians to be able to work with their patients in new ways to treat OCD with confidence. Building confidence in working with the nuances of treating OCD takes years of practice, and this is where people get stuck, including us. Today is a bit of a deep dive to get you thinking about these nuances and how to tackle them. In this second part of our discussion on designing ERP tasks, you will hear us talk about strategies to interrupt mental compulsions. We talk about how to break tasks down into smaller stages. You'll also hear us talk about emotion-focused approaches and how to collaborate with your client when designing tasks. Let's get started. So I guess the next question that we often get in that situation, so Tori just beautifully described how you would go about applying that formula we went through before to someone that's experiencing mental compulsions, but how do we actually interrupt a mental compulsion, I guess, is the other question that we get. How do we do that? Because like, you know, encouraging your hands to not go there or to go there (laughs) is one thing. We always say we can't stop your thoughts, right? And sometimes it ha- it's a split second thing that happens automatically. And sometimes you could be three, five, ten minutes into a mental compulsion before you realize you're actually compulsing, like internally. So the idea is to build awareness around what you're doing, to recognize what's happening, to interrupt the urge to engage in the mental compulsion, and then to come into your body. So what are you feeling? Where in your body are you feeling it? Can you make room for that discomfort? Can you lean into that discomfort? Let the thoughts run around in your mind. Thank OCD for the distraction of wanting to do the compulsion. So thank OCD for the urge, but then come back into your body and focus on the emotion. So we take that emotion-focused approach when resisting mental compulsions as opposed to help resist those compulsions, as opposed to trying to get stuck in this kind of circular, as opposed to struggling with the compulsion and trying to resist that urge. I mean, isn't that the core of what we do with ERP is that we're helping our clients to try to resist getting stuck in that struggle with our thoughts and trying to do thought management and just trying to fight or trying to stop, stop, stop. I'm not going to do the compulsion. No, get out of my head. I don't want to do it. Yeah. It's actually not the process because it's just going to bring more and more attention to the thoughts and more attention to it and reinforce its presence in the first place, allowing it to sort of, if it does start, allowing it to sort of be there, but bring your attention elsewhere, bring it back into the body tune into the room around you, just keep breathing, bring your attention back to the breath and just don't engage and allow it to be imperfect. Because one of the things about mental rituals is it takes any huge amount of attention and focus for a person to do it perfectly. And if it gets interrupted, there's often very strong urges to go back to the beginning and do the mental ritual again and again until it's really perfect. And so allowing it, look, if it starts, allow it to start, but don't finish it. Take a breath, bring yourself back into your body, notice the chin 
chair you're sitting in. Notice what's happening in the world outside of your mind. Notice the feelings of discomfort, but don't react to it. Allow it sort of both to be present without reacting to it and engaging with it. Would you agree? Absolutely. Allow it to be messy. Yeah. To be human is to be messy. Yeah. If it feels messy, then you're on the right track. (laughs) You're doing a really good job. You're doing a great job. Yeah, because we don't want people to believe that the solution to this is for there to not be anything happening in their mind and that the goal is for there to not be any imagery and that that shouldn't be arising because it might. It's just about not engaging with it, moving on, continuing to engage in the activity because people can get really stuck and they can freeze and they lose track of the conversation that they're having or the book that they're reading. And it's about bringing their attention back to what they consider more valuable, back to living life. Yeah, for sure. Because the tricky thing there is, and you can see it too on your client's face where they're getting so stuck in their thoughts and they look preoccupied. Yeah, absolutely. Which means we're not present anymore. We're disengaged from conversation or we're disengaged from our environment and we can get so stuck and the stuckness in our mind can sometimes then translate into stuckness in our behavior as well, where we can literally freeze sometimes. Yeah, that's right. And not do what we actually need to be doing to function. Yeah. Our thoughts are not as important at times as what we think they are. And it can be helpful for individuals to sort of say, look, I acknowledge, I acknowledge that that urge is there. I acknowledge that the compulsion has started, but I'm going to shift my attention. It's not what I want to be doing right now. I'm going to bring my attention back to my breath. I'm going to bring my attention back to the conversation. What is my friend saying? Why is everyone laughing? <laughs> what yes. Was what about the joke? Yes. <laughs> Different to when you can't hear what someone's saying because you're in a loud room and they've said it five times, but you're like, you now have to smile and nod and acknowledge that you've heard them rather than asking them to repeat it again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In summary for pure O, think about what someone's avoiding, what the triggers are, what it is that sets off the mental compulsions and expose them to that and then help someone tolerate the experience of either not engaging with their compulsion with those urges, whether that be that they choose to not start counting, you know, they resist that urge to start, or if it does begin, that they just move their attention elsewhere. Which is not a distraction, I must add. Yeah, that's right. We're not saying, oh, no, quick, read a book, read a book. Not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about that. No, it's different to that. It is different because we're still, we're asking you to acknowledge it. We're saying, I see you, I hear you, but I am not following through with you. Yeah, that's right. You can be there, but I've got something more important to do right now. That's exactly right. And the other thing is we've got to remember that OCD and those compulsions are the things that are the distraction. We're actually supposed to be present. Mm. Doing what you're supposed to be doing is not actually a distraction if we think about it. So it's OCD that's distracting you from functioning in life. Okay, so the third one that we thought was really good because I think a lot of people get a bit stuck on how to approach this and it's certainly, um, uh, yeah, a tricky one, which is pedophilic obsessions. Yes, and tricky because people we supervise in terms of clinicians are like, so I don't, like, how can we do exposure? How can we do exposure without going out there and actually stalking young people absolutely committing the crime or whatever like where's the line here absolutely because of course when we're talking about something like contamination you know the fear of touching a toilet then we're saying go touch the toilet but of course when it comes to pedophilic 
obsessions. We're not talking about in order to confront this, you don't actually have to go out and do something illegal. I mean, that is not the point of this. That's not the aim. No. It's not the aim. The aim is about normalizing the experience of having these thoughts that are unpleasant, that are unwanted, normalizing the fact that they come through our mind, whether we like it or not, that it is a part of the human experience and that we can learn to tolerate their presence. We cannot overvalue them. We can learn that they're not commands, that they don't that it's not a fact, that it is not telling us something about ourselves, that in fact it is just an experience that we have, an unwanted, undesirable and uncomfortable experience, but that it doesn't have to mean more than that and that these thoughts can come and they can go and we can move on. And certainly I know I've referenced this before, but I'm a mum of two young girls and Pedophilic thoughts are an uncomfortable part of my experience very, very often. And I think a lot of parents talk about that. It's possible that anyone who walks past a playground or has contact with kids, that this is a place that our mind goes. And the fact that we are so disturbed and distressed by the presence of these thoughts is indicative of the fact that it's tapping into our value system and what we know is important and which is why it's so disturbing to us that, that these thoughts cross our mind. But it is, it's just what our minds do. That's so true. And I remember like even when my nephews were born, helping out with nappy changes, bath time, all that kind of stuff, those intrusive thoughts would come in thick and fast all the time. And at the time I had just started working with people with OCD and I would have a little giggle to myself going, whoa, imagine having this 24-7. And I I had the giggle because I was like, whoa, I know what this is. But if I didn't know what it was, I'd be terrified and going, oh my God, what kind of auntie am I? What does that say about me as a person? All that sort of stuff. And I'm anticipating having those thoughts too, being pregnant at the minute and hoping to welcome also a daughter into the world. Bath time and nappy changes and all this, especially when you're sleep deprived. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very much waiting for those thoughts to pop in. Yeah, absolutely. So to address these, what we're doing is, again, it's that idea of looking at all of the triggers. So what are the situations that evoke these thoughts? Are there situations that someone is avoiding because they don't want to think about these thoughts? So you've already mentioned two really common ones, Celine, which is nappy change time and bath time for parents. They're two really common times. For me, it's just every day. It's my girls are young. They don't have clothes on a lot of the time. Yeah, <laughs> they're, yeah. Or they're, they're doing gymnastics and they're upside down and, you know, and so it, it doesn't, it's just about being around children often that the thoughts can pop into mind. Even reading a book where they're sitting on your lap yep. can be triggering. Absolutely. And then of course, so there can just be about being around children. That can be a triggering situation. It can be literal interaction times, like, yep, story time, bath time, nappy change time. It can be about being near children. Like if you're at near a playground, if you're a teacher, if you're a medical practitioner, there are all these are all situations that might evoke pedophilic intrusive thoughts. It could be reading a book watching a TV show that evokes discomfort, that you might avoid shows with certain content, you might avoid reading certain articles in the newspaper or online. There are all sorts of things that you might avoid for fear of the thoughts coming into your mind and the fear that that might actually make you do something, that you'll be compelled to go and follow through with your actions. And so you've got to avoid these thoughts at all costs for fear that it actually makes you a pedophile, which we know it does not. 
the way that you design these ERP tasks is again about exposure to the situations that evoke these thoughts that make you feel really scared. So it might be starting again, like where we started with the contamination theme, might be imaginal exposure. So being in a situation and you imagining changing a nappy, imagining being at the playground and watching children play on the monkey bars. It might be imagining these situations. It could be writing a story about using script. It could be watching certain shows that you've been avoiding. For parents, it's following through with nappy change. Your child's nappy or changing their clothes or bathing them. Giving them a hug goodnight. Despite feeling uncomfortable while doing and learning to tolerate the presence of those thoughts while you go through the thing that you fear. Mm. And again, asking the question of what am I choosing in this moment? Am I choosing OCD's values? Because oftentimes our clients will say, I need to keep everyone safe from me because I'm a potential danger. So are we choosing safety from that perspective or are we choosing your value as a person who spends time with children, whether you're a teacher, a parent, an aunt, an uncle, or whatever, whatever your role, a grandparent, whatever your role might be with that young person. And sometimes even just a passerby, like you could just on your morning run or walk or whatever, consistently pass the school and get triggered or walk through a supermarket. And every time you have to go down the baby aisle or whatever it is, like you could get triggered or see kids around again, like you've been saying, you know, it's just sometimes just being around them or you might be scrolling through Instagram or on TikTok and watching these videos or seeing posts that can be triggering. So whatever the content is coming from a pedophilic perspective, whatever the trigger might be, it's working with your client to be able to, again, ask them what they've been avoiding to help them establish what those tasks are going to be and then to then use the examples that Tori provided in how to be able to do that, whether it's using scripts or imaginal exposure or watching TV shows or, as she was describing too, not avoiding nappy change time or not avoiding your run or if you are running, run on the side of the street that the school sits and not on the opposite side of the street Or if you do need something from the baby aisle in the supermarket and you know that it's closest to a particular end, making sure you walk down the entire length of it and not cutting corners and going down the other, the short end of the, like, you know, going around all those. So deliberately putting yourself in those quote unquote compromising positions as opposed to following through with avoidance. When we follow through with avoidance, what we're teaching ourselves is that these thoughts are serious, that these thoughts do deserve our full attention, that we are a pedophile, that, you know, we're confirming all of our fears. But if we stand up to OCD and push through and do things deliberately and do opposite action deliberately, we're standing up to OCD. We're like, hey, this is what I'm choosing. I am choosing my value of staying fit and healthy doesn't matter which side of the street I run on but this is the side I'm choosing because I'm choosing to stand up to you OCD I'm choosing to run on the side of the street where the school is or I'm choosing to continue to change my child's nappy because I want to be this kind of parent who's involved I don't want to be an avoidant parent who's disengaged yeah that's right and I want to have these experiences with my child I want to look back and know that I I did these things. The one thing I will say about um, pedophilic 
thoughts is that just be aware of people with histories of sexual trauma or trauma in general, particularly sexual trauma, that this can be particularly difficult for them and they may need concurrent trauma therapy or either period of trauma therapy before proceeding through this to make sure that the client has a really good foundation in grounding, that they're not severely dissociating and that they're not being re-triggered by these experiences. It's a very vulnerable space for people with histories of trauma and also a very, very likely place that OCD is going to pop up. There are a lot of parents who have experienced those with histories of sexual trauma who will in these moments fear that they'll become a perpetrator themselves and that'll manifest with these pedophilic intrusive thoughts or at least will cling on to that. So it's a very, very, very important space for trauma work. So make sure that you're not just embarking on creative ERP tasks where you're teaching someone to tolerate these ideas and without making sure that they've had sufficient trauma therapy as well. A hundred percent. I think Professor Salkovska's work, a lot of his work talks about how people fear becoming the betrayer and that ties in with a lot of what Tori was talking about in terms of this really strong belief that people can hang on to of fearing that they're going to become the person who becomes the betrayer because of their experiences and it's really important to address those in order to get your client ready for these exposures as opposed to just jumping in. Yeah, agreed. It's an important one. Thank you for bringing that up. So these were our three example OCD themes for how to creatively design ERP tasks. So I think in summary, what did we talk about? We talked about the importance of design, about being collaborative in your design, about making sure that you've done a comprehensive assessment before getting into this to make sure you've got a really good sense of what the triggers are, but that also don't spend so long in the design phase that you avoid doing exposures altogether. Exactly. Make them personalized, make them individual. Yes. Makes it more successful and keep assessing and tapping into a person's willingness, motivation, self-belief, confidence, because the more you know about that as you go along, the better you'll be able to pace, strategize and design your ERP task. And the other thing we mentioned was to make sure that clients are going in with awareness of what to expect as much as they can in terms of checking in with what kinds of thoughts they're going to anticipate, what kinds of physical sensations they might be experiencing, what kinds of urges they're going to experience and ways they can apply distress tolerance tools that they've learned to help them make room for all of those thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, urges, etc., so that they can lean into that experience and actually follow through with the exposure. And then the other thing we talked about were all these different suggestions in ways that you might be able to break down a task if you've got like a bit of a menu approach that we talked about earlier rather than working through that list of triggers methodically if you're taking a bit of a menu approach and a client chooses something that's like an eight out of ten level of discomfort how can we break that down even further how can we start with using scripts or imaginal exposure or looking at photos or watching youtube videos or scenes from particular tv shows or whatnot to kind of help get them started and work their way up to actually doing what the end goal of that task is. The other thing you can do is start modifying compulsions, which is I think what we talked about when we started talking about how to manage mental compulsions. How can you modify it, delay the onset of it? How can we build awareness around it? I guess which are all ways of building up to 
complete resistance? How can we come back into the body and how can we come back into what we were actually doing rather than being distracted by what OCD was wanting us to focus on and not being preoccupied by it? And the uh, final takeaway is doesn't matter what the theme is. It doesn't matter what the content is. The way that you design ERP tasks is the same. So don't be discouraged if you're working with rather an obsessive theme that you've not worked with before. If you use this formula, you can apply it across the board. The obsessive theme does not matter. The content does not matter. This is the formula to use. That's right. The content is really important from a informative paint the picture kind of perspective to put things into context and to give you the meat in your sandwich. If we've given you the bread, then the content is all the bits in the middle (laughs) in terms of all the ingredients. So absolutely everything can fit in that sandwich quite neatly. Yeah, that's right. All right. Thank you for joining us. We will catch you in the next skills episode. Can't wait. Thanks, Celine. Bye. You've been listening to Breaking the Rules, a show for mental health professionals designed to help you build confidence in treating obsessive compulsive disorder. This podcast is brought to you by Melbourne Wellbeing Group, a psychology practice based in Melbourne with a special focus on treating OCD. To find out more, head to our website, melbournewellbeinggroup.com.au. All one word, that's melbournewellbeinggroup.com.au. This podcast was made with strategy and production support from Wavelength Creative, To make sure you don't miss an episode of Breaking the Rules, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find the show. I'm Celine Galgetch. And I'm Tori Miller. And we'll be back next episode with more reasons to convince you to get messy. Have fun and break break the the rules. rules.